Good morning, Victory Life Church. 
Great to see you. Welcome to church. Welcome to those of you joining us online. It's my great privilege to welcome you this morning. My name's Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. If this is indeed one of your first times checking us out, we want to extend a very special welcome to you and encourage you and invite you to check us out at vlchurch.com. And hello, there's my beautiful wife. Can you say hello to everybody, Buffy? On three, why don't we say hi, Buffy? One, two, three. Hi, Buffy. Oh, boy, I'm in trouble today. Wow. What was I thinking? But if you are relatively new to Victory Life Church, please check us out at vlchurch.com. There is a banner there that says, are you new here? Please click on that banner, and there is a form to fill out. That will come straight to me, and I would consider it a privilege uh, to connect with you sometime this week. Speaking of this week, we have a really cool and exciting event known as Vacation Bible School, and we are super pumped about that. Our theme this year, as you likely know, is treasured, and our little ones are going to learn about how they are treasured in the kingdom of God. And so if you are among those who hasn't signed up, who haven't signed up for uh, Vacation Bible School, you can still do that on our website. You can go to the uh, our website and look for the treasured banner that you see on the screen there. If you're here in person, just click on that banner and get signed up. But if you are among those who have indeed signed up, uh, our director of our children's ministry, Jody Kiesler, has encouraged all of you to go down to the south end after service and pick up your uh, uh, Vacation Bible School t-shirts and CDs in preparation for uh, VBS this week. If you are not connected to VBS uh, and you don't have any little ones that are attending VBS or you don't know of anyone that's attending VBS, may we encourage all the rest of you to pray for VBS uh, this week. Uh, pray for our kiddos in attendance. Pray that they would know that they're treasured in the kingdom of God. Pray also for our leaders. Pray also for our volunteers. And pray for our fearless leader, uh, Jody, who has been working tirelessly and feverishly to make this event a very fruitful one so that our kids will be transformed by coming to knowledge of the fact that they are indeed uh, treasured. So thank you. Thank you for praying. Also, thank you for coming to worship again this morning, and thank you for coming to worship with your tithes and offerings. If you have come to do that, you know how to do it. You can actually text to give. Uh, you can text the message VLC3833 to the number 73256. You can go to our website, vlchurch.com backslash give, and there's a give here tab. Click on that tab and follow the prompts, or you can give on your way out as you exit the sanctuary this morning. But once again, thank you for worshiping the Lord this morning by giving of your tithes and offerings. Can I ask you to stand in preparation for worship today? Let's pray. God in heaven, we've come to lift you up this morning because years ago, you stepped down into this world to meet us where we are. So many of the stories that we read in the scriptures about Jesus reveal to us your desire to connect with men and women from all walks of life. By stepping into this world, you wanted to remove all barriers between us and you by dying on a cross that we might be reconnected to you. You didn't have to do it, but you chose to do it to bind up the power of sin and bondage that was upon our lives. People in this place today, including those that are watching, are the people that you want to connect with. You want to renew their hearts and minds once again. If you can overcome death on a cross, you can overcome minds that are dead. So, Father in heaven, may you overcome our feeling of death this morning. Some are in this room feeling not very alive in our minds. We came feeling dead in our minds. May you redeem our minds this morning. Breathe life into our minds. When you died on that cross, they placed a sign above Jesus that said, King of kings and Lord of lords. May you be the king of our minds and our hearts today as we lift up your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's make him king in this place today. Put your hands together. Let's clap onto the Lord. Make a joyful noise. 
wait on that day for his returning we watch and we pray we will be ready the dawn of that day we'll join oh we'll join in singing with all the We've declared his lordship in this place today. And when you do that, when you declare the Lord himself over your life, you know that even in the good times and the bad times, you can praise his name. In the lowest valley, you can praise his name. When your heart is heavy, you can praise his name because he's a good and faithful God. So let's continue to worship him this morning and give him the glory and honor that he's due in this place. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy. Count on one thing, this same God who never fails. And I count on one thing, this same God who never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now. And I count on one thing, this same God who's never late is working all things out. Working all things out Oh yes, I will lift you high 
in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy in all my days. Oh, yes, I Yes, I will, Lord. I will praise you. When my heart is heavy, I'll remember that you are on the throne. And that never changes. You are on the throne, and you are in control. We remember that this morning, God. We'll sing for joy when our heart is heavy. We'll bless your name in the lowest valley. God, because you are good, You are faithful. Father God, you sent your son Jesus to this earth to show loving kindness to us by dying on a cross for our sins. And you raised to life, defeating death, and are seated on that throne today. We trust in you today, in your goodness, in your kindness and your mercy that draws us to your side. Lord, this next song is simple that we sing unto you. It says, you are good. You are good. And your mercy is forever. I pray that that would be true from our lips this morning. May it not just be lip service, but may it be true worship from our hearts. It's simple, but it's true. You are good. We love you.
Father God, we declare this morning that all goodness, all light, all mercy and grace, every good and perfect gift that this world has to offer is from you. And we thank you that the one who set the stars, the sun and the moon in their place, the one who wrote our very DNA, has loved us enough to reach out to us, to invite us into relationship, a saving relationship, a restoring relationship, a renewing relationship, one that changes us not just for this life but for eternity. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have been the Father's love overture to each one of us. And we pray, Lord, that as we seek goodness and rightness and justice, that we would seek them in you, for you are the source of every good thing. We ask these things together in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Welcome again to Victory Life Church this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. It's my good pleasure to get to share the word with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn in them or scroll in them to Ephesians chapter 4 today. We've been in the book of Ephesians for the last three weeks, and for the past five weeks, we have been invested in a series called The Renewed Mind, God's Peace in an Age of Overwhelm. We've been talking about biblical principles that God has for us to renew our mind and to live in a place of peace because that's where the Lord wants us to live. As you step out today into the lobby, you'll see that there is a uh, banner that is up and it has those simple principles that we've been learning these last five weeks and we're going to add to those for a few more weeks as we get excited about all the good things that God has in store for us as he renews our minds. Real practical good principles. Many years ago, when I was in eighth grade, I had the opportunity to go with my youth group on one of those fall camps, you know, those camps where you get all filled up and the music's great and the preaching's great and everybody's praying in the altar, you have a great time, this camp. And I was really excited to go to this camp because I was a junior leader in my youth group now. Yeah, yeah, top-level leadership, eighth-grade junior leader in your youth group. It was awesome. Super excited about it. I was really pumped that I was a leader, and of course we took the bus over to the campground, and, and I don't know if any of you know this about me, but I have a bit of a sense of humor. And you, you may know that if you know me well enough, I probably will make fun of you mercilessly, because I have that sense of humor, and it's what I do. And I expect you to make fun of me too. In fact, we say that the sixth love language here at Victory Life Church is sarcasm, and uh, we love each other greatly with the sixth love language. Well, anyhow, I'd been, you know, up on the bus, and I'd been talking about people and joking with people and the whole thing. And so we got to the camp, and it was my job to get the fire started. You know, that fire that gets started on, the, on that fall retreat that never goes out. So I was down by the fire, and we had just got off the bus after an hour or two bus ride to this campground. And there stood one of the seniors in my youth group, and, and she was looking down at me as I was trying to arrange things on the fire. And I saw her having a bit of an internal struggle, and she finally just blurted out, Matt, I have something to say to you. And I said, what? And she said, well, I don't know how to say this, but if I didn't know you, I wouldn't think that you're a very nice person. And I said, what? She goes, if I didn't know you, I, I wouldn't know or think that you were a very nice person. I think that you're a nice person, but if I didn't know you, I don't know that I'd think that. 
Once again, what? I, I, I said, I don't understand. And she says, well, you know, you make fun of people all the time. And I know that that's not coming from a bad place, but, but I don't know that everybody knows that. And once again, I looked up and thought, why are you saying this to me? And I look back at that moment, all those years ago, and I remember the stunned embarrassment I had that a senior in my youth group needed to point something out to me that I didn't know about myself. But you know what? As I look back on that, it was a very important lesson that that senior taught me, something that I was shocked in in the moment but caused me to self-evaluate how I interacted with people every day since. Because it's one thing to be fun and it's one thing to be funny, but if that takes on a hard edge and you say the wrong thing to the wrong person, you can really hurt somebody. And to this day, I am grateful that she had the guts to call me out while I was trying to start the fire. In fact, there was double embarrassment that day because I don't think I got the fire started on my own. But... (laughs) But I remember that moment as really, really important. Paul, in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, is giving us some really good principles on how to not live in a brokenness of mind. He calls it a futility of mind. A way of thinking and a way of processing and a way of doing life that leaves our mind in a place that it's not suitable for any good purpose. And he talks about the idea that Christ can give us principles and things to do that renew our minds. And two things that we've talked about, particularly in Ephesians chapter 4, has been settling on our influencers. Who has a seat at the table of our mind? Who gets prime seating and has our ear? Who gets to speak into our lives? And of course, we talked last week about setting our mind on pleasing the Lord. Having a mindset that says, you know what, if I'm going to be happy, if I'm going to have joy, and I'm going to have peace... If the only thing I'm thinking about is getting through life on my own terms, I'm not going to be a very happy, peaceful person. We talk about setting our minds on pleasing the Lord. Well, today I have one more simple biblical principle as we round out what we're going to be looking at in Ephesians chapter 4 as it relates to the renewed mind. And it's simply this. If we want God to renew our minds, if we want to live in a place where we're no longer broken, We must connect to the truth. Are you in Ephesians chapter 4? Let's back up a few verses to where we were last week, and then let's go forward a few verses further than we got last week. Let's look at verse 22 and following. Paul says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on your new self, Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Paul is bringing us to a concept that we absolutely have to grab hold of today if we want a mind that's renewed, if we want a mind that's working for us, if we want mental, spiritual, and emotional health, we have to grab hold of this concept, connect to this concept, believe in this concept with all our hearts, that we have to connect to the truth. And Paul is now saying it again to us in Ephesians chapter 4, that the way in which we connect to the truth is through other Christians. The way in which we get to what we need to hear, have to hear, ought to hear, are through other Christians who will speak those things into our life. The idea that we have people around us that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that believe in the reality of who he is and the way that he can change us, who can look at us and say, this is true, this is holy, this is good, this is righteous, this pleases the Lord, this leads to peace, this leads to joy. Paul is saying here in verse 25, you need to put away falsehood and you need to live in a community of faith that speaks the truth to one another. Now, this isn't the first time he said it in this chapter, is it? If you want to back up to verse 15, you'll see that he has spoken it already to us. In fact, he is couching this entire discussion on a renewed mind 
by the idea both in verse 15 and now in verse 25 that the way to take in and engage in truth is to hear it from other believers. If you look back at verse 15, it says we should be speaking the truth to one another in love. This is the path to a renewed mind. This is absolutely what Paul is trying to get at as he talks to us about speaking the truth, is that we live in a world that's full of lies. The world is full of lies, our mind can be full of lies, and the enemy certainly wants to foist lies upon us. In fact, if you're looking for a subtext for this entire chapter, it's truth and lies. If you have your Bibles open, you can look up at verse 14 and see that Paul is concerned that we get tossed around by deceit and craftiness and cunning. You can look at verse 15 where Paul says, speak the truth in love. You can look at verse 21 where Paul says the truth is in Jesus. You can look at verse 22 where Paul says we put away our deceitful desires. You can look at verse 25 that we were looking at today and see that Paul says if we want to renew our minds, we need to put away falsehood and once again speak the truth to one another. Paul is concerned that the primary weapon of the enemy against the Christian is lies. He's concerned that the, that the issue that faces us spiritually, emotionally, and mentally are lies. Things that we take in and believe and begin to operate in that are not leading to health of spirit, health of mind, health of emotional state, but are actually leading to the opposite. They're leading to turmoil, torment, and unhappiness. The battle for our mind, folks, centers around lies. And I've been holding off and making this abundantly clear for this very last week in Ephesians chapter 4 So, because I wanted to show you verse 14 and verse 15 and verse 21 and verse 22 and verse 25 two times over. That, that we are to give no opportunity for the enemy of our souls, the devil, to come in and tell us something that isn't the truth. And the way to make sure that the enemy cannot come into our mind and wreak that havoc and cause that turmoil and begin to torment us is to connect to the truth through the people of God. The enemy is trying to tell you lies. And this is a subcontext of the entire book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2 says we were once in his camp. Ephesians chapter 4 says give no opportunity to the devil. And of course Paul's going to end this entire book telling us to put on the full armor of God because we do not wrestle against earthly forces but spiritual forces. Forces that are trying to assail our mind. Forces that are trying to tell us lies. Forces that are trying to torment us and wreck us. The enemy wants to tell us lies about God. He wants to tell us lies about who we are. He wants to tell us lies about what sin is and sin isn't. He wants to tell you lies about what's good for you and what isn't. He wants to torment you, steal your joy, steal your peace. And if he cannot kill you, he'd like you to be so wrapped up in your own internal struggle as to make you useless for God's kingdom. That's the context of Paul saying you have to renew your mind by connecting to the truth. This truth versus lie struggle is real. Jesus gets into it with the authorities in Jerusalem and around the area of Judea because he is saying, you guys are buying into lies, but I have come to testify to the truth. If you really want to know what God's doing in this world and what God wants to do through you and God wants to do for you, you're going to have to connect to the truth that is in me. And Paul says as much in verse 21, once again, he says, the truth is in Jesus. Paul is concerned that the lifelong struggle of every Christian is against the enemy, and the primary weapon of the enemy is lies. So we have to connect to the truth. We have to connect to the truth. Three weeks ago, we learned that one of the ways to connect to the truth is through Christian leadership. We learned that he gave some to be apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists and pastors. He gives us Christian leadership that we should listen to. But it's interesting that Paul only talks about Christian leadership once, but he talks about us speaking the truth to one another as Christians on a level playing field twice. 
He brings it back in verse 25 to let us know how important it is that we have other Christians speaking truth to us. Now let me ask you a question before we go any further this morning. If I were to look at you and say, what is your primary method of acquiring truth? Would you look back at me and say, listening to other Christians? If I were to say, what's the primary way in which you take in and participate in in what's right? Is, Is it other Christians? Is anybody allowed to speak into your life? Because this is the problem that we're facing in the world, and I'm going to call it for what it is. If the enemy's primary weapon is lies, his primary tactic against the Christian is isolation. He doesn't want you in a position to hear from anybody else. He doesn't want you mentally, emotionally, or relationally ready to have anybody look at you across the not-yet-fire and speak truth to you. He wants to keep you held back from the community of faith. He wants to keep you cut off from other believers. He wants to make sure that you can't hear from them so that he has more space in order to speak into your life. And Paul says there's a simple remedy to this. There's a really simple remedy. You connect as members of one body as people in one community that can speak the truth to one another and make sure you're not caught up in lies. I didn't intend to read this today, but if you have your Bibles and you have, or you have it on your, uh, or you have it on your uh, phone, why don't you go back with me to the very beginning of chapter one? I want to show you something. It's not going to show up on the screen. I apologize. Uh, This is, this is not something I had planned. He says in verse four or chapter four, verse one, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul is incredibly concerned that the church has a oneness about it. Paul's incredibly concerned that there's a unity of faith among the people of the church, a unity of faith that is so strong that there is a bearing with one another in gentleness and patience in such a way that we can speak the truth to one another for the good of all. In verse 15, the context of speaking the truth in love is so that we can build one another up into who Jesus is, that we can speak to one another and say, this is good, this is right, this is holy, this is peace, this is righteousness, because we're all trying to aspire to look more like Jesus. But in the case of verse 25, it's clear that Paul just wants us to know one last fell swoop that the primary weapon of the enemy is lies and therefore we need to put away that falsehood and accept the truth that comes from one another. Paul was very concerned in the church of Ephesus that this take place. They were living in a pre-Christian world. A world in which the, 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 the idea of Jesus... The New Testament hadn't even been written. He was writing the New Testament, right? The the concept of of, of the Savior of the world coming to die for the sins of the world, it it, it wasn't even out there. The, The only Christians in Ephesus were the ones who were reading this letter. Paul was very concerned in the pre Christian world that these people be speaking to one another what was true. Because they were going to walk out of church and be assailed by all the things that were not true. That was in the pre Christian world. You say, well, that stinks for them. They were in the pre-Christian world. Well, folks, I have a terrible reality to connect you to today, and it's this. We're in the post-Christian world. And some of you don't want to accept that. You don't want to believe that. But we are not leading thought in America. Do you know that? The Christian morality is not the center of the nation's morality. Christian values are, are not leading the discussion In fact, 
We are now more than ever in my lifetime living in a world in which we are on the outside of public opinion, outside of the thoughts of most people, outside of the morality of culture, and we're being told by the culture, they're the evil ones. We are living in a post-Christian culture. And, and I'm saying this in, in a real way as a clarion call to, to each and every one of us. If our bonds and connection to the truth is not growing through one another, we're going to have a hard time standing in the years to come. We're going to have a hard time standing up under the pressure that we're going to face as Christians to abandon the Bible, to conform to lies, and to go into situations and morality and lifestyle that is not of God. We're living in the post-Christian world. We're living in a place where it's going to become hard like it was in Ephesus to tell the truth to one another and to live in that truth and to say Jesus is the truth. So I ask you today, once again, where is your truth coming from today? Are you preparing for an increasingly post-Christian world? Are you ready to get your thoughts and your morals, your opinions Are you ready to deal with your stressors and your overwhelms and your heartbreaks with the community of faith or without it? Does the enemy have you in some form of isolation today where no one can speak anything to you but the guy you listen to on Sunday mornings for 30 minutes? Are you living in a world where other Christians can speak to you and be real with you and have an opinion that you don't get all angry about And run away. Did anybody recognize that right after Paul says we got to speak the truth to one another, he says, you can be angry but don't sin. Anybody ever caught the context of that? I thought that was just a verse for premarital counseling. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Look at the context, folks. The context is within speaking the truth to one another, perhaps things we don't want to hear. And he says, don't give any opportunity to the devil. Don't give them the opportunity to move you into isolation going, oh, how dare they, that offends me, and see if I ever go back to that life group. No, speaking the truth to one another in love gets us ready to grow up into Jesus, to become the Christians that God has designed us to be. But we could be living in a world right now where we are forming all of, of everything going on mentally, on our own. But it's really not on our own. There's, there is no vacuum. There is no lack of information. There is no lack of stuff coming into our brains. It's just that it's not coming from truth tellers. It's not coming from other Christians. It's not coming from people who share the concepts and the values that we come, uh, that, that are ours. I, I, I worry that so much of the overwhelm and the anxiety and the depression and the mental health struggles that we've been identifying throughout this series have been a result of the pandemic that we've been through. And we've mentioned that. We've said that that's real, okay? And that's real. There's a reason that the culture of overwhelm has become a culture of overflow. I cited the statistics for you in week one, just how bad things have gotten. But does anybody see the connection between what has happened nationally to people's minds and hearts and spirits with the fact that we had to isolate. I mean, the very nature of the church is that we don't isolate, that we build towards unity, that we build towards oneness, that we build towards the sense of connection, not me, but we. But we had to isolate in the name of public health. We had to social distance. We had to say, don't be in a room together. And I want to tell you, I'm not... be careful. You know how careful we were here. And, and I say with pride, and I thank Pastor Otto and his team, we, we don't have cases of community spread here at VLC in the last year and a half. Thank God for his grace over us. But I want to tell you something. Christians need to be, needed to be, have to be the first ones who come back together. And get out of this isolation. We're not to deal with the stressors of life alone. We're not to deal with the overwhelm of life alone. We're not to form every opinion that we have alone. We're not to do that. We are to be connected to one another. Paul says in verse 20, 
25 as members. That's not members as a club. That's finger goes to hand, hand goes to wrist, wrist goes to forearm, forearm goes to elbow. So connected that you can't almost distinguish where one ends and the other begins. That's what Paul is saying is needed if we're going to connect to the truth and overcome the lies. So many people have been battling for their minds alone, and it breaks my heart. The stressors and the overwhelm and the fears of this life have have become so hard on them. And yet I just want to look at them and say, speak it out. Share with somebody who cares. Be open to somebody in the faith community, your faith community, who would love to go, what's going on? You say, well, then I'd have to be humble. Yeah, you would. You'd have to admit to somebody somewhere that you weren't perfect, that things weren't okay, that you're not doing fine. And what happened to the idea of picking up the phone and calling somebody and saying that? Where where is this passive aggressiveness coming from where we sit back and go, I'm depressed, I hope the phone rings. I'm sad, who's going to call? Instead of saying, hold on a minute, who put that thought in my mind? Is that of the Lord? No, that's not of the Lord. I'm having a hard time. I'm going to call a brother or sister in faith. I remember years ago, I was meeting with somebody. They came into my office and and they said, Pastor Matt, I... I, I, I'm new to your church, and, and I, I, I don't know if this is the church for me, but I want you to answer some questions for me. And I said, all right, I'll, I'll answer some questions for you. And they, they said, well, most importantly, we visited a lot of different churches, and we, we have not had the ability to make close friends. Is this a church where we can do that? And you know what I said? I didn't say what you think I was going to say. I had a check in my spirit for just a moment, and I said, well, then I don't know if this is the church for you. And you want to see a jaw drop. Aren't you a pastor? Don't you care about rear ends in the seats? You're supposed to tell me that this is a church where I can really connect to great friends, and you're saying we might not be the church for you. you could, they looked at me like I was mad, like absolutely out of my mind. And I said, I I just don't know. I I couldn't tell you. That has nothing to do with you. That's not my lack of faith in you as being nice and and, and warm and loving people. But I said, you know, the fact of the matter is, is if you want that, you're going to have to invest. And that might take a year or two before you really know people well enough to feel like you have that closeness. And that's why I don't know if this is the church for you. I couldn't tell you. There's an investment needed to get to a place where we can connect to the truth. And it doesn't matter if you're newer here at VLC or you've been here for 30 years. The investment on some level is on you. Right? You have to invest in relationship. You you can't always wait for the phone to ring. You have to make a determination to be in a community where you can have a closeness and a unity where somebody can speak the truth to you. I know in a few weeks we're going to, I don't even want to say what happens in August, back to school. It makes me so upset. Staples had a back to school commercial yesterday. I'm never shopping at Staples again. It's July. Don't tell me about that in your 50 cent binders. I don't want to know. But when we get back to school, we're going to roll out 18 to 20 life groups. We're going to have volunteer fairs. We can sign up to serve the church and get to know other volunteers. We're going to have places to serve and places to connect and places to be with people. But I want to be real with you today because this is where we stand in America right now. It's not just you. It's not just Victory Life. It's not just Stowe. It's everywhere. Christians are going to have to make a rugged and dogged, determined connection to the truth if they're going to survive. It's going to be on the individual Christian to say, when I read the New Testament, I see that I am to move towards a unity of faith with the people of God that is going to result in the renewal of my mind 
this is going to grow. This is going to get better. This is going to get stronger. This is going to not be overwhelmed and anxious. This is not going to be falling for craftiness and cunning and the deceit of the world. This is not going to go that direction. This belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I belong to him, and therefore I belong to his church. I belong. I belong. And I'm going to fight to make connection because I want to be connected to the truth. Some of us need someone to look down at us across the smoldering logs and tell the truth. But we've got to be able to seek it out and to develop that community. And I tell you that story about the the, the folks who I talk to in my office because it's so important that we recognize that if we want this and we need this, that we have to invest in it. And we have to not be okay with living in isolation from the church and friendliness with the world. We have to run towards relationship with the people of God in order to have everything that God desires for us. I say that not on the authority of some pastor who wants 80% attendance at life groups this fall, but wouldn't that be great? I say that on the authority of this thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14. Romans chapter 12. Ephesians chapter 4. Jesus praying on the night before he went to the cross, I pray that they would be one as you and I, Father, are one. Don't say it on the authority of a pastor who's just trying to give you self-help techniques. I say it on the authority of the very words of our Lord and Savior. We have to connect to the truth. We have to have people speaking into our lives. And we have to be able to seek that out. I would love if we, as a community of faith, could continually get to a place where we could speak the truth in love with one another where people risk it where people look at us and and tell us what's what and we don't get angry We, we we don't get so mad that we run away but we go I'm gonna have to think on that because that's a Christian who said it I don't wanna dismiss that out of hand now has a Christian ever been wrong in their opinion I mean, I'm a pastor, so I have 300 people who speak the truth and love to me. And that was a joke. And sometimes I have to filter, right? And you're going to have to filter too. There's going to be well-meaning people who say the wrong thing. Their timing stinks. Might be the right thing at the wrong time. Or they, they just are a little emotionally underdeveloped and say something they shouldn't. That happens everywhere. And guess what? It's going to happen in church too. But would you risk connecting to the truth through God's people if it meant that there was an opportunity for your mind to get healed? For your mind to get healed, would you risk it? For, For you to get right. Would you risk it? I, I, I know that there is a rugged individualism in American Christianity that says me and my Bible and the Holy Spirit. I know that. And you can arrive at a lot of truth with you and your Bible and the Holy Spirit. But God intended you to have something more. Something to keep you from getting imbalanced. And, and, and out of a good place. And it's each other. So I want to ask you today, very simply, would you consider what it would take for you to connect to the truth? Because the Bible says your mind is on the line. The beauty of this place is not only that we connect to the truth just around what sin is and what sin isn't, And not only 
do we connect around what's good and what isn't. But when we develop and foster this connection to the truth, when we face the hardest things of life, there's somebody there to speak light and life to us. And for all the times that my elders here at the church have told me something I didn't want to hear, or my prayer group tells me something I don't want to hear, there are those times or when I'm struggling, someone intentionally or unintentionally speaks the truth. And the Lord Jesus ministers to my spirit so strongly. And I think to myself, that is why I'm here. Thank you, Lord, for the grace that you've shown me through this person who loves you. They might have no idea what's going on in my life, what my inner struggle or turmoil is, but because I placed myself in position to hear, the truth was imparted. Are you in a position today to hear the truth? Who has a seat at the table of your mind? Maybe today's a day to rearrange the seating. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus, you gave us yourself, your very life. You gave us your spirit to remind us of everything that you've taught us, to lead and guide and direct us. You gave us your word as a light unto our feet, a lamp unto our path. And you gave us one another to walk that path with. Lord Jesus, I pray that this truth would resound in the hearts of those who were meant to hear it today. Would they be reminded that the enemy's tactic is isolation, but your tactic is unity. The enemy's language is lies but you are truth incarnate. We call this last few minutes in church commitment time. And maybe you need to commit something to the Lord today. You need to be in a place where you say, God, I need to commit to closer relationship with other Christians and I'm going to commit to that with where my feet carry me and what my schedule accommodates. If that's you today and the Holy Spirit is speaking in your heart, would you just take a moment to pray and verbalize to the Lord what he's already spoken to you and committed to him in this place? Let's just pray in the quiet for a moment. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. With bonds that cannot be broken. Holy Spirit, call us out of isolation and into a unity of faith. And in that way, when the wind and the waves come, having done all to stand, we as the people of God will stand. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Having done all to stand, will you stand?
It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. I encourage you today, if the Lord spoke, do something about it. Pastor Otto and I, we're going to be under the portico today where we like to greet people. And if you want some immediate connection, he's the man to talk to. He's got all the papers. And uh, if you want some connection, you can talk to me, but he knows what's going on. (laughs) I'll be happy to say hello to you. But uh, we're glad to have been together today. Take time to connect. We're allowed to do that now. And make sure you say hi to somebody that you've never seen before. And don't say, is this your first time at VLC? You say, how long have you been attending? And that way they don't feel like a newbie and all weird. Yeah, way to go. Language, it matters. All right, let me get you out of here. Heavenly Father, thank you for being in our presence today. Thank you for speaking to us. I pray you continue to speak to us this week. And Lord, when a brother or sister in faith speaks the truth in love, I pray that we don't respond in anger, but we respond in openness. And when we hear from you, Lord, we would know that you spoke using your servants. Dismiss us now with your blessing, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. I will